and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. What is this life but to know God? And what is knowing God but to experience him here and now? Jesus, the image of the invisible God, has made known to us his ways and has paid the price that we may be with him not only in heaven but here, now, on earth. So the question isn't, does God want you to experience him? The question is, will you say yes? Well, if you have been with us, we have been in a series that we kicked off at the beginning of the semester called Experiencing God. Everybody say Experiencing God. And we've been talking about different ways that God is inviting us to experience more of Him. And I laid the foundation uh, the first week talking about how God has called us to be a people of the secret place, or in other words, a people who prioritize spending time alone with God, and that that is the space that fuels everything else uh, that we do in our relationship with the Lord. Two weeks ago, I talked about consecration. Uh, I had a metaphor about broccoli and Velveeta, which fell on flat on its face. People did not like that, all right? So no more broccoli broccoli and Velveeta, Uh, but we talked about what it means to be set apart for God, and that as we're set apart for Him and the choices that we make, it opens up doors for us to be able to experience more of Him. And tonight, we're going to continue by talking about a topic uh, that I've actually never preached on before uh, at a college service in eight years, all right? So just give me grace as we jump in, but I'm going to talk tonight about suffering. Everybody say suffering suffering, right? And I recognize that when I say that, you're like, that's not why I came to college tonight. Uh, I don't want to talk about suffering. Uh, I want to hear, you know, something positive, all right? There will be positivity uh, in this message, but I think God has an invitation for us tonight to experience Him actually through our suffering and reframing how suffering can be an invitation to more of God and not less of Him. And if you're anything like me, I grew up just thinking that if there were trials that I was facing in my life, it was because I was doing something wrong. But that's not actually what the Bible is full of. The Bible is full of examples of people who go through things they don't understand, things that are hard, things that are challenging, and they come out on the other side with more of Jesus. And they come out on the other side closer to Him. And so I'm believing that for us tonight. And if you feel like you're on a mountain tonight, amen. You can pray for those of us uh, who are not on the mountain that you're on. And if you feel like you're in a valley tonight, I believe tonight is actually a night of breakthrough. I really believe that, that God wants to come close to you, that he wants to bring about restoration. So I'm going to give you three points related to suffering. Uh, But before I do... I love three points. But before I do, um, do you guys like three points? Is that? Okay. All right. Great. I love three points. Before I do, I want to jump into the Bible by uh, looking at John 11. And I want to just share this passage with us because I think it really helps to understand suffering and how God can use suffering in our lives. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to launch us actually into our three points uh, together. But uh, John 11, we're going to read five verses here together. And the context of this passage is that there's a guy named Lazarus who has um, 
who is really, really sick. And uh, Mary and Martha, who are friends with Lazarus, all three of them are close to Jesus. And uh, Lazarus is sick, and Mary and Martha go to Jesus and say, Jesus, we need some help. We need you to come and restore Lazarus. We need you to come and heal him. So that's what's going on. I'm going to read it here. Uh, John 11, verse 1. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters, verse 3, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I want you to keep that in your mind. The one you love is sick. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He stayed where he was two more days. So Jesus and Mary and Martha go to, uh, not Jesus, (laughs) Lazarus uh, is sick. Mary and Martha go to Jesus and say, Jesus, our friend Lazarus is sick. And it says here, that Jesus loved Lazarus. Lord, the one you love is sick. And in verse five, it says, now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and her sister, and Lazarus. So I have a question. If Jesus loved them and loved Lazarus, why did he wait two days? Why did he not go right away to heal his friend? I kind of imagine this like... um, Lazarus is in heaven, and he, uh, he goes to John, who wrote this passage, and says, uh, you know, John, like, no hard feelings. Like, I, you know, Jesus raised me from the dead, but I just kind of wanted to check in. Like, what was going on with Jesus those two days? Like, what were you guys doing? And I imagine John being like, not much. We weren't doing much. And Laz would have been a little, you know, upset about that like what's going on and so Laz goes to Jesus and is like Jesus um you know what's the deal like why why didn't you love me like the pastor said you you love me why didn't you come right away and I think Jesus's response he would have looked back at Lazarus and he said I didn't come right away because I love you because I love you And I wonder if you're facing a challenge or a hurdle or something you don't understand that you're walking through in your life right now and Jesus wants to speak to you in the middle of that place and say, because I love you. Because I love you. If you look at this passage more closely, you'll discover that Jesus actually did something for Lazarus that he didn't do for any other person in the world. He raised Lazarus in four days. Every other account of someone coming from death back to life happened instantaneously. And I think in the in-between time of Lazarus being sick and the miracle happening in his life of him being raised from the dead, he was learning something about Jesus that other people weren't. There was an invitation in the middle space for him to learn more about God. And I wonder for you, if you're waiting on a miracle, it's actually an opportunity to get to know Jesus more. 
and getting to know his character and getting to know who he is. So I got three points for us, and they're all questions. And these are questions that I've wrestled with, that I wrestled with in college, still wrestle with some today. You'll hear some of my own stories here together. But they're all related to this idea of suffering. And the first question, this is me and God. If this, you can't relate to it, it's okay. But I'm asking God, God, why do you allow pain? Why do you allow pain? And I think his answer would be because I love you. Jesus waited two days to raise him from the dead, and he loved Lazarus. You say, what's the purpose of pain? How, how could God be expressing his love through pain? Well, 1A, if you're an organized linear thinker, like obviously I am, 1A, pain keeps us from hurting ourselves more. It keeps us from hurting ourselves more. Uh, I am not an NBA player, though I watch the NBA sometimes. Go Mavs. Is that all right? Okay. Harper says, that's all right. One guy from Dallas, all right. But uh, I, saw, I came across this story, and I thought it was a good illustration of pain. There was an NBA player, uh, I think it was about 20 years ago, that uh, they were in the, the semifinals, the game before the, the championship. And this particular player injured himself, came down on his ankle in a weird way, and they couldn't totally figure out what was going on, but he was in a lot of pain. But the championship was coming up uh, the following weekend, and he really wanted to play. And so he went to the team doctor and said, hey, um, I really want to play in this game. What can I do? And the team doctor said, well, the only thing I can do is I can give you painkillers. He said, great, just give me a bunch of painkillers. So he gave him some painkillers. Uh, if you don't know what painkillers do, essentially it numbs the pain and what's going on. So he went in, he started in the championship game, and somewhere along in the first quarter, uh, he came down awkwardly on his ankle, and he could tell that it was weird, but he couldn't feel anything that was happening because he had the painkiller. And so he just is running. I'm not going to run, but it, well, I just did. Uh, he, he's, he's running up the court, and then he's coming back down the court, and all of a sudden, he literally, his, his leg like gives out on him, and he goes down on the ground, and they, they, you know, they take him off the court. They do x-rays. They take him back, and they discover that his ankle has been so shattered that he literally never plays in another NBA game for the rest of his life. I don't know if they won the championship. I hope so. That would have been slightly redeeming. But the point is, he took painkillers in and on the pain. And if he hadn't taken painkillers, the pain would have been able to teach him a little bit of a lesson. <laughs> like, don't stay in the game. You know, like, you need to come out. And so I just want to encourage you, like, if you feel like you're in pain right now or you've gone through something painful in the past or you go through something painful in the future God might be wanting to teach you something through the pain and, and pain can actually be a great resource to help us know what's going on like my ankles out of whack you know my spirit's not where it needs to be my heart's not in the right position pain can teach us those things. So pain keeps us from hurting ourselves more. But number two, one uh, A, sorry, golly, I can't believe I said that. One B, all right. Uh, pain, <laughs> pain develops us. Pain develops us, all right. There is not, when I look back over the last 20 years of walking with Jesus, I feel like I can confidently say that every single trial that I've walked through 
God has either taught me something about himself or he's built something inside of me that I didn't have before. Because he always uses pain to bring about good things. You guys know this verse well, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I just want to say, all things from this verse means all things. There is nothing from your past. There's nothing from your present. There's nothing in their future that is outside God's ability to redeem it and make it for his good. And we don't always understand it. I want to be the first to admit to say my definition of God's goodness is not always his. And that's okay. Because he's indescribable. He's uncontainable. And I would rather let him have that authority in my life than me decide, right? So uh, God always promises to take our ashes and, and make something beautiful out of them. Just a couple of biblical examples uh, for you guys. Job. Anybody like Job? Raise your hand if you're a Job fan. All right. Okay, we don't have a short, we can't call Lazarus was Laz, Job is just Job, all right? So, um, man, if, if you want to understand trials, I want to encourage you, open up Job 1. How many chapters are there in Job? 20? Great. All right. And read to the end of Job, and you're going to probably find yourself somewhere in there. <laughs> Because Job faced so many trials. He literally, he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man of God. And, and God, we still don't know why, but he loses everything. His body is full of sores. All of his friends have deserted him. And at the very end of Job 42, verse 5, Job says this, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Job is saying that before I walked through the trial, I had heard of you. But now that I've walked through something, I see you. I see you for who you really are. I see you rightly. I have an understanding about you that I didn't have before. Job is a great place to go to find comfort. Uh, Paul, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. Uh, so we got an Old Testament example, a New Testament example. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9. Paul is well known. You guys have heard this before. He said that he had a thorn in his flesh. He had a thorn in his flesh. The Greek word of the word thorn is the word stake. It, it, it was like a tent peg, like, you know, like right in the side. Okay, well, that was a little graphic. All right, I'm sorry. Like, you know, all right, down there. All right. Uh, and, and, Many scholars, we, we do not know what it was. We, to, I mean, people have looked at this. They've reasoned. They've thought about it. We don't know what it was. But what we do know is that it was with him all the time. It, it was like he was constantly living with this trial that was in front of him. But here's what he said in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8, uh, 8 9. He said, concerning this thing, the thorn, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me three different times. Lord, take it away. Verse 9. But the Lord, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. I love it. It's like Jesus used the thorn to release the grace, to release the strength, to release the power. 
Paul's like, if it wasn't for the thorn, I wouldn't have tapped into the all-sufficient grace, to the all-sufficient strength. I wouldn't have known that his, he's perfect in my weakness. I wouldn't have known that. Last example uh, for us, David. Dave, all right. Psalm 23, you guys know it well. I love this. David said this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, trial, okay, pain, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I just want to highlight from this passage that the place that God sets a table for David is not on a mountain looking out. The place that he sets a table in the presence of his enemies is in a hole. It's in a valley. Wasn't a good valley. I don't know. It's in a valley. It's in a, it's in a dark place. And he says, it's there, God, that I have a cup that's overflowing. It's right there. It's in that spot that the cup is overflowing for me. I share this with you guys just to say, in my life, Sometimes when I face a trial or when pain comes up, I want to run from the pain because it's easier. But if we allow it and we lean into it and we invite God into it, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fruit that can be had. And I hope that encourages you. I hope it encourages you that your trial and, and the pain, if you have it or you had it or you face it in the future, it's not a setup for you to just be done. It's a setup for you to launch into more of him. It's a, it's a, tee, it's a tee up for you and the Lord. It made it. Golf made it. All right. Okay. Four years ago, in uh, five years ago, actually, in, in 2018. So it was August. Our college ministry had come back from a um, three-month mission trip to Peru. I woke up one morning, and I felt sad. Uh, I don't know why. I wish I could tell you why. Uh, but I just had this feeling of, of emptiness. Just random morning. I had experienced some different moments of feeling sad at, at different times in my life. But this was different. And a week went by and the, the feelings didn't go away. I just kind of woke up in the morning and just wasn't real motivated. And I went to bed at night and just kind of felt lonely, felt sad. Everything was great. I was working in the college ministry. I had just met Charlotte, my wife now. I, there were so many wonderful things going on in my life. And if I could have given you a reason or if I could explain it or if I could have fixed it, I would have done so. Uh, I went to counseling. I just want to say counseling is awesome, okay? And if you've never done counseling before, do counseling. If, if you need it, okay? Don't like, just don't like all go do counseling, okay? But if you need it, if it's helpful, go and do it. 
But that, that, was, that was a piece, but, but it, it wasn't totally helping. I, I pulled in some of my friends. I said, guys, I need a breakthrough. I need you to pray for me. And, you know, they lay hands on me, and they, they prayed for me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I came, I literally went to, like, special healing services because I was like, I, I need a breakthrough. And a year went by, and, and, and nothing had changed. And I'm in the prayer room up here at Antioch. Just want to say, awesome things happen in the prayer room. Uh, and I am, I'm laying down on my back, and I'm in tears. I'm literally, I'm like, tears are streaming down my face. It's like on the floor, and I'm just crying out to God. I'm saying, God, um, I, I love you. I, I want to serve you. I, I want to honor you with my life, but I don't know what to do right now. Like, I just feel like I'm, I'm in a dark valley, and I, I can't get out, and I don't know what to do. And this is the only time this has ever happened in my life, but I'm, I'm there laying on my back, and I feel like in the physical, I feel these two hands come up underneath me and literally lift me off the ground. And I feel like I'm, I'm like levitating <laughs> off of the floor. And I felt like in that moment, the Lord spoke to me and said, Ben, you're gonna experience breakthrough. I, I have freedom for you. But in the meantime, Will you just let me hold you? Will you just let me carry you? Because I want to teach you right now that joy in your life is not dependent upon the way you feel. Joy in your life is dependent upon my hands, upon my ability to carry you and to sustain you and to provide for you. My strength is perfect right here in your weakness. I'm crying even more than I was crying before. The hair salon people that are up here uh, at our strip center are like, what's going on? You know, you okay in there? Whatever. I had, <laughs> I had an encounter with Jesus right in the middle of my darkest hour. I wish I could say that night everything changed, everything lifted. It didn't. It was two years later. But over the course of those two years, I discovered God to be the comforter in a way that I never had before. <laughs> I discovered him to be the shepherd in a way that I never had before. He has a way of bringing about goodness in our pain. And now I just want to say, I have like level 10 compassion <laughs> for people who have emotional struggles in their life. Because again, if I could have fixed it, I would have fixed it. Hey, let me just say, if you're going through something hard, if you could have fixed it, you would have fixed it. It's all right. <laughs> God's good. He's got us. He's got you. And he has hope for you. So that's the first question. The next two will be short. But God, why did you create pain? The answer is because I love you. Second question, I'm asking God. God, why did you create suffering? Why did you create suffering? I think God's answer to that would be I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. When sin entered the world, sickness, disease, poverty, war, injustice, every type of pain entered the world with it. This is not an often like quoted verse. It's not super happy. All right, but Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Guys, God didn't come to the world to condemn it. He came to the world to free it. 
to set it free. That's the whole reason he sent Jesus. And oftentimes, atheists or, or those who don't believe in God will use this particular point as a way to disprove Christianity. Because they'll say something like, if God is real, is this really the best that he can do? Like with all of the trial and pain and suffering that's happening in the world today, is this the best that he can do? And my answer to that would be no, it's not the best he can do. It's the best we can do on our own ability, with our own choices. Suffering enters into the world because mankind has a free will and we willfully choose to do things our way instead of God's way. So if you ask God, God, why is this happening to me? The answer might be because he loves you. The answer also might be because of choices that are being made in your life. Golf's going to make it in right now. Um, If you don't know, I like golf, and I like to tell golf stories uh, in my sermons, all right? So uh, when I was uh, in eighth grade, no, not eighth grade, ninth grade, um, I was on the golf team. And, uh, you know, I, I I was getting better and better, and uh, I felt like, you know, things were going pretty well. And uh, my teammates knew me as like the nice guy, you know, on the team. Like, hey, you know, Ben kind of is cordial. He handles himself well on the golf course. If you don't know golf, it's an individual sport. So if you get frustrated, like everybody sees it because it's you, all right? You're in front of everybody else. And uh, the second half of the semester, I started, I started finding myself hitting bad shots. And, and these cuss words would just start to like, you know, they'd be like here. And then they just, all of a sudden, like one day, they just came out. And I mean, it was like F-bombs. And it was like, bleep, 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 bleep. All right. So, you know, if you cuss, <laughs> not if you cuss, if you've cussed, it's okay. Like, you know, God's not going to like smite you. It's okay. All right. So, but I had, not the right word. All right. So here we go. I, I had these cuss words that were coming out of my mouth. And my friends were like, Ben, what is the deal? Like, you're the, you're the Jesus guy. Like, what, what's going on? Like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm bleep, bleep, okay, you know? And, and, and there, was, there was just my, I was off my rocker. Like, something was off on the inside, and it was producing something on the outside that I knew was not from the Lord. And so I remember going to the Lord like, maybe two or three months into this, in one of my times in the morning, my devotional times, and I just said, Lord, um, why am I doing this? Like, what, what is going on here? And I just want to say, guys, the Holy Spirit has the ability to illuminate things in our lives that we can't see for ourselves. And it's really, really good to ask the Holy Spirit what's going on when you're in a hard place or when you're going through something. Because he can give you wisdom that nobody else can. So I felt like the Holy Spirit said, um, Ben, you have an addiction to pornography and it's causing you to feel angry on the inside and insecure and it's being released right now in your language. And I was like, oh shoot. Uh, Because I was spending time with God in the morning and in the afternoon I was going to look at the computer when nobody else was watching, and I didn't think it was a big deal. Just do it once or twice, or, but it had become a habit. And sometimes when something becomes a habit, you just become numb to it. 
and you don't realize the impact that it's having on you. And there were some things inside of me that were just off. And I needed to, I needed to break free. And so I went to some mentors in my life at the time and I, I confessed it for the first time. And I said, hey, I just want to say I've, I've looked at this and, and they loved me right where I was at. And they just spoke the grace of God and the mercy of God. And they said, Ben, you're made for more. You're made for more. Let's walk this out together. Let's find freedom together. It was a one-year process. It's been 16 years since I've looked at pornography. Because the power of God is the power of God, and it's good, and we need community. And when we bring things into the light, it sets us free. Somebody told me one time, whatever you hold inside will own you. Whatever you bring into the light will set you free. Because that's what Jesus does. He, he wants to set us free. But I was sowing into the flesh, and I was therefore reaping of the flesh. And I just want to say, I hope that when you hear me say that, that comes with a tenderness and a father heart towards you. It's not like a condemning, like shaming. If, if I said that and like shame came into your mind, not of, not of the Lord. <laughs> That's of the enemy. God wants to meet you and he wants to empower you in your place of weakness so that you can sow in the spirit and reap in the spirit. Last question for us is this. So number one, why do you allow pain? Number two, why'd you create suffering? Number three is this, why did you suffer? Why did you suffer? Jesus, why did you suffer? When you came down to earth, why did you allow yourself to be rejected? Why did you allow yourself to go through so much? Why did you allow yourself to be pierced literally like your, your hands on the cross. Jesus, why did you allow yourself to take on the sins of the world? Jesus, why did you go through so much? And I think Jesus's answer to that would be so that I can suffer with you. <laughs> so I can be a co-sufferer alongside of you. So that I can relate to every single thing that you are going through. You say, I'm going through this. Jesus says, yep, I've got an answer to it. I'm going through this. Jesus is like, yep, I've been through that. But what about this? 100% guaranteed, I have faced that. I have been through that. And let me show you the way out. Let me show you the way through it. I want to help you. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Everybody just say empathize. God wants to empathize with you. But we have one who's been tempted in every way. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Guys, when you confess things to the Lord, when you bring your struggles to him, those things don't fall on deaf ears. The one that you cry out to has faced what you face. He's felt what you feel, and he wants to comfort you. And I love that the, the verse ends and it says, his mercy and his grace is gonna help you in your time of need. You fill in the blank and he's gonna come running after you with his mercy and his grace. He can't help but be himself. <laughs> That's who he is. That's what he does. This is a book that I recently read. Uh, it's called Suffering. Uh, good, 
good book on suffering. Uh, it's by a guy named Paul David Tripp. It says, gospel hope when life doesn't make sense. Uh, great resource if you need some encouragement. Really, really helpful for framing trials and inviting Jesus into them so that we can encounter him more. But I love uh, what Tripp says here about Jesus' ability to relate to us and our suffering. I'm, I'm just going to read a few lines from it. It says, there's someone, Jesus, who gets the burden of being a frail human being, making our way in a world gone bad. In sympathy, Jesus welcomes us to know what he knows and to be comforted by his understanding and to not let the shame of our weakness keep us from running to him for help. He shared our humanity. He gets what we're going through and he carries our travail in his heart. His understanding frees us forever from having to deny our struggle or act as if we're doing better than we actually are. The one who took on weakness is for you in your weakness, and that is the best of news. I love it. So, God, why did you suffer? <laughs> I suffered so I can relate to you. I suffer so that I can draw near, so that I can come, come close you say, well, that's great, but what do I actually do? Like, I, I'm in, a, I'm in, I'm caught right now. And I want to give you three things. This will be two minutes as we wrap up here that I think will be helpful for you in embracing your trial. And the first one is this, keep a thankful heart. Keep a thankful heart. Anyone ever feel like they're really good at pointing out what's wrong or missing in life? <laughs> we call that in my day being a negative Nancy. Never mind. <laughs> it's fine. Just write that down, negative Nancy. Broccoli, Velveeta. All right. <laughs> if, if you're facing a trial right now, one of the most powerful tools that God has put in your pocket is gratitude. And you can pull that tool out whenever you want. Gratitude's not dependent upon your circumstance. Gratitude's not dependent upon if you got a good night's sleep. Gratitude's not dependent upon what you ate that morning. A thankful heart is the best defense against a sorrowful heart. The more we commit ourselves to counting our blessings, the more that we're going to be able to see God's blessings before us. The more we rehearse the gifts of the past, the more we're going to see the gifts right now in the present. And it prepares us to see the ones in the future. Second practical, honesty is the best policy. If you're going through something challenging right now, I just want to encourage you, don't fall into the trap of isolation. The enemy will do whatever he can to try and tell you you're alone. You're not going to get out of this. But it's in that place that God wants to provide, like Paul said, a strength that we cannot comprehend. You know, when we're walking through trials, weakness is not what we should be afraid of. We should fear the delusion of strength. <laughs> when we come to the end of ourselves, God's response is always, that's where I do my best work. <laughs> that's where I want to meet you. 
So run to community. (laughs) Run to one another. Run to Jesus. Run to him. And be open. Be vulnerable. Um, I just want to give a shout out. We have an awesome resource here at the church called Listening Prayer. Uh, If you have never done this before, it is a powerful way for you to invite God into something that you're going through. And basically, we have trained facilitators who walk you through a a process of inviting the Holy Spirit and inviting God to bring healing and bring restoration. I think I did it 37 times in college. Probably not 37, but maybe 30. Uh, And I want to encourage you, check that out. We can get you the resource for it. Last practical is this. In your trial, stay soft. (laughs) Stay soft. You will be tempted to harden your heart. (laughs) Not just to one another, but to God as well. Keep your heart tender before the Lord. If you find yourself wanting to shut down, say, God, (laughs) I don't understand this, but keep my heart open. I don't see the other side of this, but God, whatever it takes, hold my hands open before you. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to live our lives like this before the Father. When we're on a mountain and when we're in a valley, He wants to give us the ability to do so. So here's how we're going to wrap up. Nice, Bryson. Um... We've got some space up here, and we felt like we saw a picture tonight of people coming forward and just receiving from the Lord. And I don't want to force anything on anybody. Be led by the Lord however He is leading you, but I want to encourage you. We're going to do about 10 minutes here. I want to encourage you to take advantage of this space right here to let God draw near to you. And you might need to get on your knees. You might want to do like I did and get on your back or get on your face, whatever it is. But we're going to open up the front here for you and Jesus to have a conversation. (laughs) And it might be as simple as, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm feeling stuck from something a long time ago. Or it might be, God, I'm really feeling stuck in something right now. But whatever it is, we just want to create some space for God to minister to you, for you to have a a one-on-one encounter with Him. And the second thing we're going to do is there's going to be some prayer leaders in the back there. And if you need prayer for something specifically, I want to invite you, go and receive prayer. (laughs) Don't don't be afraid to to do that and, and to have someone lay hands on you. God wants to draw near to us this evening. Wasn't sure whether or not I was going to share this, but I, I just felt like the Lord kind of impressed on my heart to do it. Um, two years ago, my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Uh, he is still around, which is a miracle within itself that he's still here. But it, when we received the news a year ago that his cancer was a, a terminal diagnosis, I remember going to God and I was pretty frustrated. <laughs> and I remember just being like, God, 
I don't understand this. Like, I, I don't get this. Like, he's, he's walked with you for 67 years. He's been faithful to you, God. I, and I was wrestling with God. I, I mean, I, we had a come to Jesus, come to God, you know, moment together. And I started praying. I said, God, I pray for a miracle. God, would you come? I, I mean, it was the only thing that I knew to, do, knew to do in the moment was just, God, would you come? Would you release healing over my dad? Because I've, I've seen it. I, I literally have seen cancer disappear. I believe God can do that. And uh, I said, God, what, what do you want me to pray for? And I felt like the Holy Spirit just gently spoke back to me and said, Ben, you can pray for a miracle, but more than a miracle, you need me. You just need me. And over the last nine months, guys, as I've walked with my dad through this beautiful, incredible, heaven-on-earth, kairos time with him, I've encountered the presence of God, the nearness of God, the love of God, and the peace of God like I never have before. (laughs) Because there's just something about going through something that we don't understand, that God gets to step in and just be himself (laughs) and just be who he is. And the reason I know that (laughs) he wants to comfort you tonight (laughs) is because I'm right in the middle (laughs) of a comforting time, (laughs) of a comforting season. So however you want to respond, we're going to go for 10 minutes here and I'll pray and, and we'll jump in. Lord, we just thank you for your nearness in our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness, God, towards us. Uh, We thank you that you use every trial, every place of pain. I was praying earlier and I I felt like God was saying that some of you, maybe you're you're thinking tonight, you know, it's just something little. And I felt like God said, it's not little to me. It can be little, it can be big. Whatever it is in your eyes, it's important to him. It matters to him. And so, Lord, we just invite your spirit to come. We invite you to be with us here and now, Lord. We we want to draw near to you. And whatever you want to say, however you want to encourage us, Lord, I just release right now tonight just a spirit of encouragement, God, to just fall over the room, Lord that your Holy Spirit would come. It says the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And I pray for that, Lord, this evening. We love you, Lord. Our worship team's just gonna play. They're just gonna sing over you. You can worship. You can sit at your seat. You can come forward. You can go in the back and get prayer. We're just gonna respond to the Lord.